Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. I hope you are having an absolutely fantastic day today. And I was looking at an article earlier. Steve brought it to me, and I thought this was interesting. It was from Yahoo. Now, of course, I don't really report much on what Yahoo says because it's usually got a pretty nice leftist bias to it. But I saw something that kind of caught my attention when he sent it to me. And I'm going to tell you what they're saying, and I'm going to tell you what they're really saying with it and pretty much what's about to start happening here shortly. The title of the article was COVID-19 vaccines were produced and distributed at breakneck speed. Now, millions of excess doses around the globe are about to expire. It says millions of doses of COVID-19 vaccine in the world are expiring in the coming weeks. In Israel, 80,000 doses of the shot just expired in late July. The Bulgarian government just announced last month it's looking to donate its expired vaccines, having 5 million doses. Hundreds of thousands of vaccines are expiring in the Netherlands. In the United States, another almost 10 to 15 million vaccines are being tossed. They go on to say, Lawrence Gossett says, the doses we have aren't enough. They're not being delivered to the population. It's a catastrophe as they are expiring. Now, first off, you talk about the financial aspect of this. Does anybody remember the Operation Warp Speed and the tens upon tens upon tens upon hundreds of billions of dollars that the American populace is now saddled for because we gave all this money to Merck and to Pfizer and to AstraZeneca and to Moderna and the list goes on to Johnson and Johnson. All the contracts these companies got to produce these mega amounts of shots that are allegedly expiring now. Now, my first question about this entire topic is, are we dealing with milk? Are we dealing with spoiled milk now? You have a compound that just got produced eight months ago, and it's being kept at negative 92 degrees below zero per Pfizer's request. Remember the hospitals having to spend tens of millions of dollars on the deep freezer systems to house these shots that are kept at negative 92 degrees? And we just conveniently forgot about that. I haven't. So how in the world do you have a compound that was made eight months ago that's been kept at negative 92 degrees and suddenly out of nowhere, it's going to expire. It's going to expire. We can't do anything with it. We have to throw it away now after we just spent billions of dollars of our taxpayer money producing these shots. Now, When you look at this and you actually start reading through it, this is my opinion. I think I'm pretty accurate on this. It has nothing to do with expiring shots. This was planned, basically, failure. They knew this was going to happen at the certain time it was going to happen, and they already had the narrative lined up to cover the spread. Now, you understand if they're pushing this vaccine compliance and mandate, and they're telling everybody you have to get the shot, But we're now saying that tens of millions of doses are being thrown out because they're all expiring and we have nothing left. What does that mean? That means that they have to make another round of shots and they have to get more money because these shots are already bought and paid for by the U.S. government because they're free shots to the population. Merck, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca are all about to get another gigantic contract for tens of billions of dollars to produce 
a Delta variant injection. You got it. You guys hit it on the head. And I was talking to my workout partner last night, and we were almost laughing and just ironic standpoint last night. And he goes, you know, I remember in economics, he said, nothing's free. And he goes, everywhere I've turned, it's get your free shot, get your free shot, get your free shot, get your free shot, get your free COVID shot. Come here and get your free COVID shot. It's totally free. Well, it's not free. As I just mentioned, we're saddling the bill for it. But here's the thing that's so funny to me. If the shot is all about your health, right? it's all about your health. It's, dude, this is the most important thing right now in the media. It's all about your health. You get the shots for your health. That's what we're being told. We're being lied to, I guess you could say. If you don't get the shot, you don't care about your health. If you don't get the shot, you don't care about other people's health. You get the shot because it's your health. You've heard it over and over and over and over again. They just keep reiterating the same thing. Well, if that's the case, why isn't insulin free? Why is it ins- why has insulin gone up almost 300 percent in the last four years? Why is a average vial of insulin 175 dollars now, <clears throat> costing the average diabetic between six to eight thousand dollars a year? Oh, what about epipens? Oh yeah. The EpiPens, the ones that are life-saving for a lot of kids that basically are allergic to things. Oh, the average EpiPen double pack is $400 for a generic. All the way up to $700 for a double pack of EpiPens. But, but no, 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 you guys don't understand that. That's, that's not for your health. That's to save your life. The shot's about your health. This is about saving your life. You know, you, you have to have the insulin, the EpiPens, and it's an inelastic demand curve, and we know you have to pay for them, and the government's not giving us billions of dollars in free money to make it via taxpayer funding. So we're going to absolutely bend you over with the shots of Epi and the shots of insulin. It's not about your health. If it was about your health, my friends, We'd have government-subsidized EpiPens. We'd have government-subsidized insulin, and we'd have government-subsidized, basically, vaccines via the government funding that they take out of their own money, not taking money from us via bills that we're saddled with for the massive amount of debt that's accruing and saying, they're free. They're free. Get your shot. They're free. Oh, that's right. They just expired now randomly after eight months, and they've been in a freezer at negative 92 degrees. We have to throw them away and build a new batch now. Always ask questions of what they're telling you, and that's why I brought up this Yahoo article this morning because as soon as I saw it, I thought, well, that's odd. And then the more I read into it, the more I realized this is not what we are being told, and they're lining it up for the next round of injection production, and we're again going to foot the bill, and that is why – it's the most important thing that we can say, absolutely, I will not comply with getting an injection. Just like all the people that I've talked to, I've talked to certain people and they said, oh, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I got the shot. I got the shot. I got the shot. I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I said, oh, well, congratulations. You got injected with gene therapy. Let me know how that goes for you. Two months later, I see them again and they're wearing a mask at a business. What happened? Well, they're making us wear a mask again. Oh, so there's... The vaccine didn't work? Uh, well, they're telling us we have to wear a mask. Ah, compliance, my friends. Compliance is what they're baking everything on. They're basing all of what they do on compliance. And I've continued to tell people that. That's why I think a lot of these mandates, these injection COVID mandates of these businesses, I think a lot of them are a bluff. That's why I've told a lot of people, hold your ground on this. Get a religious exemption form. We've posted it on Instagram. 
We've posted multiple articles on there. We posted on the website as well, different forms you can get. Also medical exemption forms. If they're going to play the game, play the game right back and see what happens and play this out. Because I personally think a lot of this is a big, giant bluff because you want to talk about lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Talk about a business or a company or a small business forcing a customer or forcing an employee to get a gene therapy experimental shot that only has emergency use or they're being terminated without cause. You want to tell me that's not a lawsuit brewing up? Every single attorney is going to chomp at the bits to take that case. So I encourage you, stand your ground on this. There's going to be conflict. It's going to be aggressive, and it's going to be nasty. But this is that hill right now to fight on because if you start allowing people to tell you what they're going to inject in your body, they de facto own you now, and they will do whatever they want to you after that. Just my two cents. What do you think, Dan? You know, Austin, the crazy part about all of this stuff is that, you know, this thing is rife for lawsuits. It is. Here's the problem, though. If the Supreme Court, which has already ruled that they're not going to talk anything else or see any more cases about what happened with the election fraud that happened last year, and if the Supreme Court comes in now and says because we're under this emergency order that, that Donald Trump signed, which is why, you know, we can't seem to shake ourselves free from these shackles because we're under this FEMA law, under the CDC law now because of the emergency executive order that Donald Trump put into play that, Donald, that, that Joe Biden is still working under. So there may be lawsuits that are going to come available you know, as far as later on down the road or even maybe now. The problem is what's the Supreme Court going to do? Because if the Supreme Court rules against the lawsuits, they won't go forward. That's just, you know, we're, they're going to set precedent. So the attorneys that basically get involved in this a lot of them have to have really, really deep pockets. What does that mean? You know, a lot of times when you have these different law firms that file lawsuits for like pollution and it goes into court and it goes into courtrooms for 14, 15, 20 years and gets appeal after appeal after appeal. Look at this mess with Monsanto. Hundreds of billions of dollars being paid out to the plaintiffs now. The problem is Monsanto keeps appealing, keeps appealing, keeps appealing, keeps appealing. So Monsanto will set, you know, they probably have hundreds of attorneys on staff, if not thousands. They're paying these guys whether or not they work or not. When a law firm comes in and they file a lawsuit against a major corporation, Walmart, Monsanto, whatever, and there's already hundreds, if not thousands of attorneys being paid, it doesn't cost Monsanto or Walmart any more money to basically litigate the suit and fight it because they're already got, they've already got the attorneys on staff. All you have are like filing fees, and that's it. So that's the problem that you run into when you start going after a government like the United States of America or a state or whatever because the pockets are unlimited. You know, when I was speaking to Roger Stone last summer, when Mancow took me over to his apartment in Miami down there, my Roger Stone said they had approximately 700 attorneys for the federal government against him, you know, going against him, filing briefs and doing all this research against them, which overwhelmed him financially, and he simply didn't have the money to fight it. He ended up going bankrupt, and had it not been for Donald Trump pardoning Roger Stone, Roger Stone would be in prison right now for basically lying to Congress, basically for misleading Congress. His big mistake was, and I told him this, you should have never testified. Or if they force you to testify, it's, I plead the fifth, the fifth, the fifth, and the fifth. Oh, by the way, did I say the fifth? Oh, by the way, it's going to be the fifth on the next question, too. And that way you get away from all of this stuff. Or what are Hillary Clinton's favorite words? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember that. I don't remember this. Don't remember anything. I got the worst memory on the planet. Don't remember, don't remember, don't remember. And see, there's no law against having a lousy memory. So these guys learn when they're coached by their quote-unquote 
people that are basically telling them what's going to happen to them in a court of law. And of course, Hillary Clinton, she ends up never going to look court anyhow because she's Teflon coded. She has too much information on too many people around the world. Now, on a lighter note, I got to say something. I laughed last night. I did. I had a I had a good old fashioned belly roll last night, Austin. I was I was sitting there. I was watching a, a movie and, uh, and Sharon goes, oh, by the way, one of my Instagram folks has said to me that hummingbird soup doesn't contain hummingbirds. It's a bean recipe, B-E-A-N. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. So I looked it up, and sure enough, hummingbird soup is a bean recipe. I talked about that yesterday, thinking that, oh, my gosh, it says hummingbird. It has to have hummingbirds in it. Obviously, I was wrong. I'm just going to let you guys know that I'm issuing a retraction on that. I'm not issuing a retraction on my overall opinion of the article that we discussed yesterday. I still think it was some truth mixed with a bunch of fake stuff. But here's the thing. And just just for the fun of it here, you know, why in the world does it say hummingbird soup? You know, when we get authentic recipes from around the world, you know, it's like when, when you went you went for a recipe like Irish spiced beef. Well, guess what? It's Irish spiced beef. There, there's, there's the recipe. If you get Scottish oatmeal rolls, guess what? They have oatmeal in them and they're rolls. If you go almond tea bread and on and on and on. And all this stuff is so funny to me when you start getting into these foodies. The foodies, and I'm not a foodie. Austin's not a foodie. Don't get me wrong. I like a good steak. I like a good center cut. I do. And I'll eat one every so often. But when you are an athlete in college, like I was and like Austin was, you know, you get used to eating certain types of food to maintain lean body masses and not to get overweight. My major diet right now is rotisserie chicken okay, with vegetables, very large variety of different types of vegetables. You know, with bananas and apples and fruit, et cetera, and my supplements. And that's pretty much what I eat, you know, and my eggs every morning. So I'm not a foodie. I, my buddy Man Cow, he's constantly sending me pictures of food. And I finally told him, I said, look, dude, I'm not a foodie. Send the pictures of the food to other people. I don't care. All I know is if you send me a picture of that particular recipe, it's going to be 1,500, 1,800 calories per serving, and it's almost all fat. I'm not going to eat that. So I don't care about that. So I learned a long time ago as an athlete, and I learned a long time ago in maintaining my own body weight, there's certain types of food that I just don't eat. Or if I do eat it, it's very, very, very sparse, and it's very irregular. In other words, I may have it once a year or twice a year, and there's certain things I just don't ever eat. I don't ever eat or knowingly eat pork. I'm not going to eat something that God told us not to eat that I know causes cancer. I'm not going to do it. I don't eat deep fat fried stuff, you know, unless I know the oil is cooked in because and I don't I need to kind of know how long the oil's been there. I mean, I don't even eat French fries. I mean, every once in a while I might have a bite of one, but I don't like them. They make me feel bad and they basically really mess my stomach up. I don't eat stuff like that. You say, well, that's you're missing out on a lot of good food. No, I'm missing out on a 45 or 50 inch waistline. Be honest with you. I don't want to I want to miss out on that. You don't know what you're missing. Yeah, I do. I've eaten it before. I know what I'm missing. Here's the thing. I'm 65 years old. Okay. I, just, I, I, I realize that some things are just not worth the calories. I realize that some things make me feel so lousy the next day that I don't want to eat them again. So I've learned that. I mean, I've tried desserts on cruise ships. I'll take a bite, a tiny bite, and taste it. And I'm like, that's not worth the calories. Now, sometimes these chocolate torts. <laughs> and they're amazing, these flourless, flourless torts. I'll take a bite of that. I go, Wow, that's going to be worth the calories, and I'll sit and I'll enjoy the tort, but that's rare. 
But the thing about it is this. If you discipline yourself like that, not to be a foodie and not to eat food that you know is not healthy for you on a regular basis, it no longer is a diet. It becomes a habit. It becomes your diet that you're eating clean all the time. And that's why Sharon and I put out this book called Eat Clean and Be Healthy. And it's a cookbook. And Sharon wrote most of it, which it goes into detail as far as different food recipes that you can use that will help maintain your weight and help maintain your health. Very important. The other day, I have a friend of mine, good friend, and she's had all kinds of sinus issues, all kinds of sinus issues. And she's got really bad allergies. Well, she eats junk all the time, and she's got really bad allergies. It's so bad with her allergies, she went in there, she had them roto-rooter her sinus cavities. And the guy messed it up, broke her septum, did all kinds of crazy stuff, had an infection, all this crazy stuff. And she still has the allergies, and so it's not getting any better. So finally, I said to her, I said, look, why don't you do this? Why don't you try turmeric? Try a bottle of it. It's either going to work or it's not. You take like you know 15 of them a day, five of them three times a day. Do it for a week. It's either going to help or it's not going to help. You'll know immediately, but it's going to do something regardless because it's really good for you. Well, I don't want to do that. I'm like, why not? She goes, well, I'd just rather deal with the allergies. I'm like, you've already been in the hospital and had surgery for your allergies, and you're not willing to take a bottle of turmeric and try to see if it helps? No, I don't want to mess with it. And so I reminded her of the story in the Old Testament with Pharaoh when Moses wanted to set the people free and Pharaoh kept saying no. And all of these different things happened to the Egyptians, including having their houses and palaces filled with frogs, you know, which is disgusting. I remember years ago we had to have our windows open because we were out of power for a week after a hurricane and we had our windows by the bedroom open because I was trying to get some fresh air into the house and I'll never forget some big, huge frog had gotten underneath the screen, got in our bedroom, and jumped on me in the middle of the night, landed on my chest with a big splat, and I jumped up like, what the heck, man? It's a frog on my chest. This is disgusting, right? So but what does the pharaoh say about this? Well, let me think about it for another night. So what he was essentially saying was, I'd rather have another night with the frogs, and here's the reasoning for this entire little thing I've said to you today. Sometimes it's not worth sleeping with the frogs. Sometimes when you're 100 pounds overweight, you know, it's time to change. Maybe you don't need to go to, you know, some coffee shop and get a 2,000 calorie, calorie frappe latte, whatever, with cream in it. You don't need that. You know, if, you, if you're weighing 300 pounds, you probably need to back off some of that stuff because you got to eat a lot of calories every day to maintain all that weight. And maybe – you need to say, I don't want another night with the frogs. I'm done. And just start losing a pound a week. You say, well, it'll take two years to lose this weight. Okay. Better than gaining another 100 pounds over the next two years. Don't be in a big hurry with it. Make it so it's not a hassle. Make it so it's just a lifestyle. Just okay. Now, change subjects. Austin was talking a minute ago about the kill shots having to be kept at an unbelievably low temperature. Even with that, they expire. I'm going to say something I've not covered with you guys before. A D-Wave computer operates basically at absolute zero, at 273 degrees below zero, which is about 459 degrees below zero with Fahrenheit. This is cold. This is so cold. You walk outside, you will instantaneously freeze. And what it does, it lines up the molecular structure of the product that they're using in the D-Wave to make it process this information from an interdimensional interface. But they don't know how it works. It was given to them via alien technology, but they won't admit to that. But they'll tell you they don't know how it works. It just works. Well, that's kind of stupid. How do you develop it 
that you didn't know how it was going to work. Well, you were told how to do it. That's how. Now, also, the Pfizer vaccine is kept at minus 70 degrees Celsius, which is about 94 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Now, think about it for a second. Is that because it has to interface properly with a D-Wave computer and it has to be that cold and kept in storage so that its abilities to interface in an interdimensional interface remain proper? I don't know. I'm just throwing this stuff out to you. Since we are out in the Lululand now with the doggone United States and what's happening here, might as well throw that one in there too. And I want to say one other thing too. And Carmen said this to me this morning. And I think she's right. She doesn't like Mike Lindell. Doesn't like him. She said that he, she's, she kind of smells a rat. And, uh, and she, I think she's right. I said yesterday I think he's a pretty good guy. But the reality is this. We know he's doing alt talk shows that are compromised. You know, we got a lot of alt talk shows that are huge pro-Zionist formats, pro-Zionist talk shows who only give you 80 percent truth, 20 percent complete lies. And Mike Liddell likes to show up on those shows and promote his my pillow, which is no big deal. I hear he has a good pillow. But the point is this. Something ain't right because, you know, Austin talked about this yesterday. Somebody comes on YouTube. They get five million views or they go on these alt sites and they get five million views. And they're never taken off or never scrubbed off. And now I realize some of Mike Lindell's stuff has been pulled off of YouTube. I got that, all right? But think about it for a second. The amount of views you get even on these other sites is all based on algorithms and search engines. And how do we know, because this big thing he did two nights ago, is that he's not the next QAnon Piper you know, playing his little flute, getting everybody to follow him now while nobody pays any attention to what's happening in the real world. Let's think through that for a second. I think Carmen's right with that. I think something ain't right with Mike Lindell. I really do because it's too much Q stuff because you know, he was a big follower of Q. So are they giving him the platform now to run around on to make you not pay attention to what's really going on as the Kabbalists rule the world, as these weirdos rule the world? Are we supposed to just not think about what you're doing? And there are a lot of other of these alt-news broadcasters that are completely and totally Zionist-owned and Zionist-promoting organizations. You know, Breitbart is one of those. You always get this pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-Zionism stuff in Breitbart. So we've got to ask ourselves – same thing with Drudge. So you've got to ask yourself a question. Who's really pulling the strings with Mike Lindell? I mean, honestly, who's pulling the strings? That's the question I'm asking. I'm not accusing him of anything. I'm just saying who's pulling the strings? And he's worth a lot of money. A lot. And I'm happy for him. He sold some really good pillows. But here's the thing. You know, how in the world do you get pushed on all these big shopping clubs and all of these infomercials and all these other different things, and you're basically doing it in your own power, own authority? I've done infomercials. I have. I've done a bunch of them. I've done a whole bunch of stuff, you know, with different ministries around the country and helping them to raise money. I've done all that, too. That's why I know so much about so many of these pastors. But, guys, a lot of times, it's not what you think it is, especially at the higher levels. But I'm going to stop there. But I will say one more thing about Beth Moore. I have never liked Beth Moore. Now, you guys can fuss at me all you want. You can send me all the letters you want. But now she is absolutely slamming unvaccinated Christians. Her face is so twisted and so contorted in this picture. She looks, she's demon-possessed. Now, I'm not saying she's demon-possessed. I'm just saying that she basically is looking kind of nuts. And here's what she says. If you're a Christian, I'm not talking to you, but if you are, if no, no, I'm sorry, if you are not a Christian, I'm not talking to you. But if you are, Jesus wasn't playing when he called us to a whole different ethic from the world. So she went on to say, we're not loudmouth boasters. She screamed on Twitter. 
We're servants. We serve more than proceeded to mock unmasked Christians who have not been vaccinated. Stare in the face of what some of you are saying. My rights are more important than your life. Sorry, sorry, not sorry, more rage. You're not going to get vaccinated for the love of God. Put on a mask in public places with vulnerable people. What the heck? Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, Beth Moore. I've never liked you. I have warned people about you. And I hope the patriots wake up and realize what a weirdo you are. Oh, that's right. You're a Zionist, too. I, whoops, I forgot. So, yeah. So ask yourself a question. Who are these people and why are you listening to them? Just thought I'd say. Austin, what do you think of what's your next story, bud? <laughs> well, you're spot on with that. And we've talked about this repeatedly as far as what we're starting to see now with the compromising of a lot of alternative media. Because you got to remember, the mainstream narratives utterly failed. It's failed. I mean, it's, it's, it's done its job for the sheeple, the, the mindless sheeple that believe everything on CNN that sit you know, on the couch and drool on themselves while they're told to be scared. And they put their mask on while they're inside their house by themselves. And when they get in the car by themselves and drive around, they wear their mask. It's worked on those individuals. The problem with it is those individuals are weak minded. You always realize after you've been around somebody long enough, there's pretty much two types of people. You have people that are extremely weak willed and weak minded. And they are subjected to pretty much every breeze that blows their way. And then you have people that are pretty staunch about stuff. They're pretty firm in their beliefs. They don't compromise on much. And when they know they want to do something, that's what they're going to do. And you basically have to physically restrain them to stop them from doing it or achieving their goals. And so the mainstream media always has and always will control the populace that's weak-minded, people that are always scared of something, people that are always worried about something, people that are constantly terrified to die, you're always going to be able to control those people because they yearn to be dominated. I'm just telling you right now, they want to have somebody controlling them. The opposite with the group that's mentioned absolutely is going to complete their goals and will not be controlled is always going to be the same way. It's very, very difficult to break their will. And we've seen that now very clearly in the United States with this right at, what, 48% vaccination rate. You know, we've got half the population that says no, half the population that says, please shoot me up with another gene therapy. I want more. Can I have another, please? And so as we're starting to see this now, what we're realizing is the mainstream media is losing the control. So what they're doing is they're getting more and more aggressive and they're trying to get more and more slick with going in and infiltrating some of these areas. That's exactly what Dad's talking about. And then on top of that, now we're starting to see more and more pretty much borderline violent rhetoric from the leftist narrative to try to force, again, the strong-minded individuals into compliance with threats. Perfect example, Steve Cox, who's a candidate running as an independent, basically um, – in California's 39th congressional district, he pretty much should be running for the Communist Party over there. He responded to Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh blog, he does a bunch of alternative media stuff. And Matt Walsh made a tweet and said, COVID's here to stay. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. It almost certainly won't kill you, but it possibly could. You're probably basically going to die from something else. Death is certain. Suffering is unavoidable. Stop cowering. Live your life how you can. It's kind of a dark tweet, but quite frankly, he's accurate. I mean, we're, we're all getting our time card punched at some point in time. 
And once you've almost died a couple times, you realize, well, if that's the worst thing that happens. Oh, that's the worst thing that happens. It's, it's going to happen. At some point in time, you have to come to grips with your mortality. You can't pretend that it's just going to be an inevitable extension of life because it's not. So Matt Walsh is on point. Well, Steve Cox, the candidate who's running in California's 39th Congressional District, apparently is now finding that threats of violence are what is needed to coerce individuals. And he, yeah, I quote, I'm going to quote his tweet right now. Whenever someone says we all die from something, to justify not taking precautions to help protect others in this pandemic, should we be allowed to shoot them? While you are crying, we all die from something. For you, it's a bullet in your gut. <laughs> oh, I, I can't come up with much better veil threat than that. What he's blatantly saying is if you don't want to go get a gene therapy shot and you don't want to wear a mask like a dog when you walk around in public, you have no care about anybody else. And you're selfish and you need to be shot on sight in the gut. That's what he's saying. So what we're seeing here is now, and I'm, I'm going to let everybody know, you got to be very careful of this. Be very careful of this because it's going to start getting more aggressive. The leftist communists are going to try to start provoking the right, the conservatives, the patriots, the Christians, the Americans. That's, that's us now, by the way. We're the Americans. This group over here that's demanding we have to show papers and demanding we have to be subjected to gene therapy against our will and is demanding that basically everybody get free money, I don't classify them as Americans anymore. They're invasive communists. They're like an invasive plant in the lake. They come in against your will. Somebody brought them in, and they're here in your lake now, and they start growing and taking over. And you have to start trying to pull the weeds out, and the problem is they continue to pop up like cancer. They're an invasive plant. That's what these communists are. I don't classify them as Americans because they don't want to be Americans. They will never be Americans. They hate America, and that is their primary goal is removing the freedom that we have here in this country because they absolutely hate people having the freedom of will. That's who these people are. So when you have individuals like this clown over here in California, Steve Cox, who is now threatening anybody that doesn't want to do what they're demanded to do or they need to be shot in the gut, that's telling me one simple thing. It's telling me that they're going to start doing threat after threat after threat and because, of course, Twitter, Facebook, Google, all this stuff is controlled by them. They can say whatever they want. Now, if you made this comment or dad made this comment or I made this comment, I can almost guarantee you not only would our account be shut down on Twitter, we'd be in Twitter or Facebook jail for a month. We would probably have law enforcement called and they would probably try to do some sort of red flag gun law and say you're making threats of violence with a firearm on Twitter on social media. We have to take this seriously. We need to know what kind of firearms you have. We need to make sure you're mentally stable. Uh, you need to come with us, which by the way. I've personally heard of accounts where this has happened with no worse of tweets and comments on social media. Literally cops showing up their house because somebody made a meme and put a tweet out on social media. They take it seriously. They're going to start instigating everybody. They're going to start poking everybody in the face, and we have to do the best we can to have restraint as long as we physically can and not retaliate. Until we absolutely have to defend ourselves in this situation. Now, I know that's a difficult task. You guys know I, I get a little overzealous about stuff sometimes, and it's hard for me to not get irritated when people start aggravating me. And so 
that is something they're going to try to play on. They're going to try to instigate it. That's why I've said if you go to rallies, if you go to meetings, do the best you possibly can to stay calm the entire time and don't be instigated. Also, too, and I've said this, you guys know my stance. I'm a humongous pro-Second Amendment. I'm very, very staunch on the Second Amendment rights. However, if you're going into a meeting, you're going into a big rally, make sure you sit down and you do a cost-benefit analysis if you want to carry a firearm in that situation. Just letting you know that because a lot of you guys and a lot of myself and people I know that have trained very, very aggressively, our response time and our draw time is unbelievably fast. You do not want to be in a situation where you do something you should not be doing because you got instigated by one of these clowns that literally puts a fire under you intentionally to do exactly what they're doing. I'm just being real real blunt with you guys right now. So be very cautious when you go to these meetings, these rallies, these groups, and understand what's going on and what the situation is going to be before you go into it and keep a level head as much as you can because this is what they're going to play off next. They are waiting. They are yearning. They are drooling and hurrying for somebody to do something stupid with a firearm that's basically the patriot community. They are just waiting for the instance so they have all these gun bills that they've already introduced in the Congress and Senate so they can ramrod them through. And the bumbling buffoon who doesn't even know where he's at, probably doesn't even know what he had for breakfast, comes out and goes, oh, there's the executive order. I should find that. Where are my crayons my balloon? I got to find them. Oh, there's a garden hose. That's what he does. He, the man can't even talk anymore. He can't remember names. There's an interview the other day with Gretchen Wilson, the tyrant from Michigan. He can't remember her name. didn't remember her name. This is how far-fetched the clown shows become in this country. So again, as I've said, it's on us. It is up to us to make a difference. On a local level, that's the most effective thing we can do right now. If there's no possible way to change it on the local level because it's become so compromised, so sadistic, so dark in that area, well, it's time to look at exit strategies. You don't have to stay where you're at. Always remember that. I know a lot of people get stuck in that curve where it's like, well, I'm here, I'm here. I get it. I get it. It's not fun moving. I've done it numerous times. But on the other hand, too, what's worse, moving or living under complete and total tyranny? Look at New York. Look at California. Now they've got basically Kumo has basically resigned because he's such a pervert. Ab- absolutely, absolutely disrespects Italians on national television. Oh, I'm not, I'm not a pervert. I'm just an Italian. I'm like, whoa, you're about to get shot, son. You start talking about Italians like that in New York, you better have some security on you. Italians are very proud. And I don't blame them. They got a great country over there. They've made some great cars. They got a great culture. They make great food. They're a great populace. You just start talking like that. The guy's complete and total lunatic. And now we have this female basically is going to be taking over his position, and she's like one of the most pro-choice individuals I've ever heard talk. I was looking at some of basically her reports and some of the stuff she says the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean what in the world – I mean but again, what did we expect? I mean Katie Hotchell's complete and total nightmare. I mean what, why would we think they would put anybody else in that wasn't going to be a complete and total lunatic? So I guess New York, you're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen with all of that. And now what we're starting to see as well is that more and more and more people, though, are starting to wake up. You see all these, these protests. You see these rallies all over the world now. 
there were interviews in New York where people were jumping for joy that Kumo was gone. You see these rallies in Europe. You see these rallies in Australia. I saw another video earlier. Basically, I told you guys yesterday, but the riot police turned around and started basically walking with the protesters because that's people are waking up now. But again, you don't see any of that on the mainstream media. And at the same time, all we're starting to do is hear reports of people waking up, but nobody wants to talk about it. They said police in Switzerland now are rising up against the Great Reset by refusing to enforce government-imposed restrictions on the general public. A group representing Swiss police officers wrote a letter to the Swiss Federation declaring the cops work for the people and not the elite. They said if the measures were to conflict with the general opinion of the populace disproportionately limiting their fundamental rights, police officers would no longer be willing to apply them, the group wrote in the letter. Now, I'm hoping they stand their ground on this because, quite frankly, you understand, the law enforcement is the middle ground. You have these elitist global bankers that run the show. That's what they do. They're at the top. They're basically the the lord, so to speak, in medieval terms. And then you basically have the knights or the law enforcement, and then you simply have the peasants, which they refer to as us. They think we are the peasants. That's why they treat us the way we are. That's why it's rules for thee but not for me. That's why the Kenyan Obama will have a birthday party with 300 people at his house, completely unmasked, running around dancing, having a great time, which I'm not knocking for having a birthday, fantastic for him. At the same time, him and his friends tell his body, you need to wear a mask. Well, okay, well, which one is it? You're, they're not showing any fear, any concern about what's going on. If anybody hasn't figured that out yet, they tell you to be scared, but they're running around laughing, giggling, partying, going everywhere, doing whatever they want. That should give you a clear indication of what is really happening. And then you have Fox News, which, of course, I've told you Fox is completely and totally compromised. They're simply there to produce a small amount of the right narrative so it doesn't look like we have a complete and totally state-run media. And Fox News comes out now, and they contend that the majority of Americans are in support of the vaccine mandate and vaccine passports. They said the survey on Fox News found that 50 percent of respondents are in favor of requiring proof of the shot for indoor activities such as restaurants, gyms, and performances, while 46% oppose the idea. Now, I would really like to see the true numbers on where they're getting this from because this seems pretty skewed. But it does fall in line of what I talked about earlier. You got the 50% that are the weak-willed, weak-minded individuals that really think and enjoy being dominated, and you have the other 50% that absolutely are going to stand their ground and they're not going to comply with this. So that may be an accurate poll. However, I doubt it. I think it's much less than that. But again, that's just my opinion. But of course, this is Fox News. This is their narrative. This is what they're trying to push slowly but surely, convince everybody that this is what you want. You you want to have the shot. You want to have the passport. You want to have law enforcement walk up to you while you're sitting outside drinking your coffee or eating your croissant and asking you for your papers to show that you've had the injection like they're doing in France right now. That's what, that's what you want. That's not what I want. It's not what my friends want. Sure as heck not what my family wants, and it's definitely not what my patriot countrymen want at all under any circumstances. So again, remember, the ball's in our court. It's up to us right now. This is up to us. This is a turning point in this country right now. This is a huge turning point. This is going to make or break what happens to the rest of this country. Are we going to be able to basically push it off and rebel and hold for another 10, 20, 30 years and push their entire timeline down the road and they keep trying to do it, but we got some a good time to enjoy America for a while and keep preserving our values? Or are we going to throw it in the trash? 
because we want to have a little bit of freedom, which the freedom is actually handcuffs called freedom, but they don't tell you they're handcuffs. They tell you their freedom while they shackle you. What do you think, Dan? Austin, you know, I've talked so many times about how when a person basically is a trust fund baby, you know, we end up two or three generations in the trust fund baby is broke. Yep. The trust fund babies have absolutely no money at all, and they're wondering what happened to their vast fortune. There's a man who was a four-star general here in Central Florida years ago, and he basically was a trust fund baby from his father, who was a super wealthy business guy from Chicago. And the general came in and basically expanded the money from the father and made a little bit of money and bought some land and did a few other things and actually had the ability at that point to, how should I say, uh, become very, 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 very successful. And what ended up happening is the success lasted into his next generation who squandered most of the money, and then the following generation was completely broke. And isn't that exactly what we've done here in the United States? Now, it's lasted more than a couple generations, but it was a massive downturn by the third, fourth generation with the Civil War. I mean, think about it. So this, this Civil War thing only happened you know, you know, 60, 70 years after the Constitution had been written. That's it. And at that point in time, we pretty much lost our rights because of Lincoln as far as the rights to succeed from the United States if the federal government was basically doing crazy stuff. And we need to understand this. You know, you got to look at what happened with the with the with the Hebrews, you know, when they left Egypt. You know, we think about that for a second. What happened? You know, Satan, Lucifer, this weird group of interdimensional entities, they prey on the weakness of human beings. And the same thing happened with Israel, with the Hebrews, when they left Egypt. They utilized the sinful nature, which has attracted the power, wealth, and sexual gratification. And then the second generation of the Hebrews in the Promised Land, they were supposed to continue to clean out the Canaanites and the Baal worship and the Moloch worship and the Asher worship and take control of the land. However, they left their nomadic lifestyle because they started getting a lot of money, and they settled on established farms and cities. Then these demons enticed them to focus on enriching themselves, and success became their downfall as the education of their children was ignored. They stopped raising little Hebrews, and they stopped teaching them what Moses had taught them. By the third generation of Hebrews coming out of Egypt, we witnessed the surviving Canaanites and their worship of demon gods being integrated into the Israeli worship services, including the sacrifice of their own children. There was basically plenty of food and alcohol and sex and new dancing and all the other crazy stuff and these rituals, which you see that also happening from Egypt when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he came down, and all these Hebrews were basically sacrificing human beings at a golden calf and sacrificing to Baal right there on the spot after they had already gone through the Red Sea and God had protected them with a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. And they were still basically worshiping Lucifer. Now, this is exactly what's happened here in the United States. We were raised and draw brought up, we were the baby boomer generation who basically were told you know, by our parents to be good parents. And then we had Dr. Spock come in. We had Freud come in and all the weirdos come in and the Zionist teaching come in, and all this acceptance of all this weird stuff that we all think is okay now, that I don't, but a lot of Christians do, who basically have this inclusive doctrine, 
and we've gradually lost our first love. It talks about this in the book of Revelation. So now here we are, you know, 150 years away from the Civil War, and you know now we're looking at what's happened, and we go, wow, the United States is, is suffering from massive degradation and, and basically disgust from all of us who are trying to do what's right. And now Fox, is, which is completely Zionist-owned, completely Kabbalist-controlled, completely Rothschild-owned and controlled, they're coming in now saying, oh, 50% of the people want to have shots. We need to listen to what the 50% want. Because remember, they don't want us to be a constitutional republic where everybody has their own rights. At this point, they're pushing us to a socialist democracy in which the 51% can tell the other 49% they got to get ejected and they have to go to a FEMA camp. That's, that's what this happens with communism. They don't want to have individual rights. Hang them from the bridge, the Lord of the Land said. No trial. Hang them from the bridge. Watch the movie. You can see it with Lehman Neeson in that one movie he did many, many, many years ago. You know, Rob Roy. It's a great movie. Don't let your kids watch it. you got some really intense stuff in it. But the reality is this. We've got a lot of stuff that's happening right now that's indicative of what's happening, you know, you know, in the feudal days. Like I said, they want the old world order. Just a real quick part. To be- Let's go back to Beth Moore for a second. Many people now believe that she's embracing homosexuality, and she has many of her friends that she goes out with on a regular basis who are gay. You think, well, wow, that's kind of crazy. Well, yeah. She basically has changed her doctrinal position on homosexuality. In a book that she wrote, Praying God's Word, originally it's published in 2009, more recently edited out a snippet that taught homosexuality is a sin, claiming that it exceeded God's words, that homosexuality was a sin. Well, what it says is that if you live this lifestyle, you're going to go straight to hell. And in the Old Testament, it was a sin to the point that if you got caught in a homosexual act, they took you out back and stoned you to death. But now she didn't want to say that anymore. You know, she's been hanging out with all these other people like, you know, Joel Olstein and, you know, and all these other people that she really likes, which I like Joel as an individual, but I don't, I don't like the fact that he claims to be a pastor. He's a great home. He's a great. He, well, he supports the homosexual group, too, but he's a great motivational speaker. He is that. And then we have people like Joyce Myers, who I absolutely can't stand because I've listened to some of her stuff before, and I've listened to her so many times slam her own husband from the pulpit and put him down. Unbelievable. I mean, that's not okay. So we've got all of these people out there that are pushing this inclusion, inclusive Christianity. A lot of people say she's one of the top 10 false teachers in the world. Here's what they wrote about her on this one. And then last but not least, we have Beth Moore. Beth Moore is the favorite among the lady preacher speaking circuit, ranging from Lifeway and the Southern Baptist Convention to Hillsong. Beth Moore's most, Beth Moore's most blatant heresy is undoubtedly her claims, listen to this, <laughs> to have received the direct visions from God, which that can't happen. But the vision that she receives contradicts scriptures. Remember what I told you? If you're being led by the Holy Spirit, it will always line up with God's word. God's not going to tell you to go get yourself into debt and go bankrupt. And you say, well, God told me to do this. No, he doesn't do that. He didn't do that. He tells you that, oh, no man but to love him, that the borrower is servants of the lender. So if you feel as though that you being to- you're being told something by the Holy Spirit, which is contrary to God's word, you got to go with the Bible. You have to. You can't walk away from it and say, no, you can't contradict the, the, the word. So, you know, we have to understand something. You know, we've got to realize that, you know, we basically have to think about what Joel Olstein or, or Joyce Myers or, or T.D. Jakes or all these different preachers are teaching. 
you know, Beth Moore likes to hang out with, you know, with, you know, with Matt Crouch and a lot of these other people that are involved with some of these major TV ministries. And you say, well, are they all bad? Well, I'll be honest with you guys. I know a whole bunch of them. I do a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. And 90 percent of them are bad. Just thought I'd mention that. Another 10 percent of them are good, but 90 percent of them are bad. And almost every one of them promotes Zionism on an ongoing basis, which is promoting a lot of the Old Testament rituals and practices inside of their churches. What was it? Paula White and her husband came out and you watch it or look it up online and said that Christians should be viewing you know, pornography together. But yeah, this is Donald Trump's liaison, Christian liaison. I mean, what the heck is she teaching Donald Trump? I know he went up got with a porn star, but is that something she's promoting? I mean, I don't know. How weird is all this? Some weird stuff. But the reality is, is we can't be sitting here and saying that these people are okay when they're teaching something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, remember, I'm going to say this again. Christianity is not a continuation of Judaism. It's a rejection of it. It's a new and better covenant, period. We've got to understand that. And we can't go back into the Old Testament covenants and rituals and offerings and all the other things that Paula White does. And I've heard her do multiple times on basically on the platform. I've heard her do it. So, guys, think about who you're listening to and why you're listening to them if you're watching Christian TV. Now, we pretty much turn our TV sets off. We don't have TV in here. We don't have cable anymore. We shut the cable down. We're done. We haven't had that for years here at the house. And quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, good riddance. Because, guys – when you start believing this stuff is good when it's not, it really, really, really starts messing with your head. That's what the transgender thing is all about, isn't it? You have a woman that you think is a woman, and you think she's pretty, and suddenly you find out that she's a guy. And you go, what the heck? You, know, you start thinking, why in the world is this okay? Why do I think this guy is pretty and she's a guy, but I thought she was a girl? It's all about inversion, which is what the Bible says they're going to do in the end times, where everything is upside down. You know, Tucker Carlson, who's another Zionist shill as far as I'm concerned, but he does come across and tell say some things pretty good every once in a while. He says that ugly buildings are designed to dehumanize us, and that's true. That's what the Germans were taught back in the 30s, that ugly, ugly art and ugly sculptures and ugly buildings, all that was designed to dehumanize us, to make us confused. It's part of the inversion thing. The same thing with the transgender. It's all to confuse the psyche. So you start believing what is good is bad and bad is good and everything else. It's weird. But when these Christian pastors start saying that homosexuality is not a sin, did somebody drop them on their head when they were little? Or are they just so concerned about this inclusive theology that they're teaching that they're not going to be concerned when they breach Scripture and completely lie about what the Word of God says because they're trying to increase their giving units. Yeah, did I say that? I did say that. And that's the biggest problem that you see in these big churches. God never told us to go out and build giant cathedrals and have 20 different locations and hundreds of thousands of square feet of, of buildings that we have to basically maintain and pay for. He said to go one by one, go across the world and, and teach others to do the same and convert people to Christianity. There's nothing wrong with having a Bible study in your home or in your, or in your, in your living room or anywhere else on your back porch. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But do you really want to put everybody into debt to buy a giant facility so more and more and more of you can meet together? You know, Carpenter's Home Church, perfect example. Back in the 80s, I'll never forget this. We were going to Carpenter's Home. 
and it was basically it was the first assembly of God in Lakeland. Pastor Carl Strader, he's dead now. He was basically the pastor. And I'll never forget, they decided they were going to build a huge 10,000-seat sanctuary in a city of 60,000 people, which that's pretty bold. But they were going to do it all on debt. And so these guys decided to put this giant thing together, this giant sanctuary together, and they were building it and building it and building it, and they just straight ran out of money. They did. And all of a sudden, he starts preaching austerity from the pulpit. He starts saying, oh, the church is broke. We've got to cut back here. We've got to cut back there. We've got to cut back here. We've got to cut back there. And I'm like, why do you want to build a 10,000-square-foot facility? You already have one that's paid for. Why don't we just back off all this money we're borrowing and just gradually pay this thing off and not move from our current facilities? What I'm thinking so one day we have a meeting of the church, and there's only 100 people or so show up for this. It's on a Wednesday night. It's like a board, church, board, church meeting as far as voting on stuff. And they voted now to go ahead and start building retirement homes and put the church another $10 million in debt. <laughs> they wanted the church to sign off on these retirement homes because the bankers are pretty smart. They want you to cross-collateralize all of the assets and things that you're doing. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling us that we're in austerity. You're telling us we're broke. Now we're going to sign on another $10, $10 million of debt? And like me, a guy named Gerald and his wife and Sharon were the only four people that night that voted against the expansion and further debt. Well, before it's over with, before it's over with, the church completely goes bankrupt. The 10,000 square foot facility that had been used for years ends up being bulldozed and gone. It's gone now. It's completely gone. The tens of millions of dollars that were wasted, completely and totally gone. It's completely done. It turned into a giant mistake. Again, God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, no man but to love him. Do you need to really go out and borrow money on stuff that you don't really need? Do you really need to go out and finance toys? you really need that boat that you got to pay $700 a month for? Is that what you really want? Think about it for a second before you do that. Right now, the economy is doing really weird things. Be really careful on what you engage in and what you decide to do. I've learned that a long, long time ago. By the way, I love you guys. I appreciate you. Been a different kind of show today. But nonetheless, I love you. I prayed for you this morning, and you guys mean the world to me. I thank you for your continued support, and we're going to continue to tell the truth. If you hear me make a mistake, like hummingbird soup, you call it out, I'll fix it. <laughs> I love you guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Go ahead and finish it up, Austin. <laughs> well, I'm glad everybody listens to us that closely. They can give us that advice whenever we uh, make a small mistake. you know. <laughs> and that's what I've told everybody before. We do the best we can to bring you guys the most accurate information. Sometimes not always 100% accurate because sometimes make a mistake. But for the most part, I think we do pretty good. But on top of that, though, I still encourage people. Continue to do your own research. I talked to one of the bank representatives yesterday. Great guy, tall, used to be a ball player, super cool guy. And he was listening to the show. And he goes, man, you know, it's interesting. He goes, people just aren't asking questions. I said, I know. I said, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I said, nobody wants to ask questions. Everybody's just saying, okay, this is what I was told. This is what we do. This is what I follow orders. That's it. It's, there's, there's, there's no questioning of anything. Where's the tenacity? Where's the where's the the strength? Where's the honor that United States had? Say, you know what? I don't I don't really agree with that, bud. I don't no, we're not on the same page with this. Okay, fair enough. We can agree to disagree and go on our own way. But see, that's not okay. Communism does not allow that. They tell you what to do, you follow orders, you do not talk back. 
That's what they're training, and that is not what this country was built on at all. Read some history. It's one of the reasons why we had such a horrific civil war. I always encourage people to say, do your own research on civil war. Civil war had absolutely nothing to do as far as with freeing the slaves and slavery. The Emancipation Proclamation was done halfway through the war when the North was losing, and it only applied to the southern states. Was slavery wrong? Absolutely. Was it on its way out already? Absolutely. The Civil War was a war of northern aggression primarily based on taxes because the South did not want to deal with the unjust taxes that they just got out of, like Ted just said, 70 years before dealing with that nonsense. And the North was doing exactly what happened before with England. And they said, no, we're succeeding. We're done. You guys can go kick rocks. And then it escalated. So again, do your own research. Don't always buy everything that they try to tell you and feed you. Ask questions. What's in your vaccine? Question mark. Why are you wanting me to wear a mask? Question mark. It's because the CDC mandated it? That's laughable. Have a blessed day, my friends. Have a fantastic, safe night. Be sure to check out the website, healthmasters.com. If you need anything, product of the week, Testo Plus. Ultimate Test Booster, incredible product. I love it. Have a great night. Stay safe. If you need anything, give us a call, healthmasters.com. I'll talk to you again tomorrow, as always.